0: Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. We are uh, in the book of Job. Well, we finished Job, but um, it's such a big book. It's 42 chapters. So I thought it was worth looking at uh, a couple of weeks in a row. So here at the 6th, we're just working our way through the Read Scripture as we go through it as a church. Uh, We'll be looking at some of those books of the Bible that maybe if you've been a Christian, a a follower of Jesus for some time, actually you've never ever heard preached on. So it's going to be great as we continue to read through scripture. We're going to come up with all sorts of different of the prophets, minor prophets, etc. that we're going to explore. So I'm hoping that you're enjoying it so far. So here we are in Job um, and it's such a good book because it speaks so much about uh, the, the problem of suffering doesn 't necessarily give us any neat answers, but it speaks about suffering and just in that of what Roe was sharing there, um, I think what she was tuning into there was was that you know one or two maybe more of you sat there thinking, "Where is God? why is my life like this? Why am I down here in the pits of despair at the moment, and uh, when is God going to hear my cry and so I hope that as we explore this together, um, you might find some peace and some comfort from the words because that 's that's partially why I do what I do, because uh, God said, feed my sheep. He told me as a, uh, as a young man, <laughs> he called me as a young man in my late 30s, and he said, feed my sheep. And so that's what I'm trying to do uh, this evening. So I hope at the end of it, you will be uh, watered and you will be fed and that uh, you can go back out there uh, to share it with others. What I was really struck with as I looked at, at Job is... Um, The things that you go about in life, and you never notice that they're there, we just go about our business carrying on, trundling on, we get in our car, we drive off to work, we go to school, we go to college, whatever, and we never really notice the stuff. And then when you start thinking, I really need, like, I don't know, a church, suddenly you start seeing churches everywhere. Like for me, it's like McDonald's. You know, I I kind of think McDonald's and there, there one is, you know, highlighted for me. But I was thinking about this thing about hedges. I've got a picture of some, of some farmer's hedges. Because, you know, here in leafy Sunbury, uh, we don't really get views like that. But I was thinking about hedges and how all of the farmers, if you go out to Devon where we kind of came to faith, if you go out that way, you'll find, or you go through Somerset, et cetera, to get there, you'll find that all of the fields are all marked with hedges. Um, And so my first question to you this evening is, what's the point of a hedge? What does a hedge exist for? And if you've been here before, you'll know I actually want an answer. This is not... uh, Sets a boundary. Uh, A (laughs) windbreak. Hadn't got that one. Windbreak. Keeps the animals from escaping, so it keeps them safe. Offers security. Security. And protection, protection from the wind, what, what? oh come on, <laughs> this is not an ecological uh, sermon. it promotes bio di- i can 't even say the word diversity it keeps things safe, it keeps things they keep things from harm, they keep things from escaping. So if a farmer puts sheep or cows or whatever, llamas in a field, as some of them do nowadays, it will keep them from escaping. So my my next question to you is, uh, what are your hedges in life? What are the things that bring you safety? And you're not allowed to say Jesus Christ at this moment. I don't want you to shout out the answers, but you are not allowed to give me the answer. Okay, because we have to work up to the answer. And if you give me the answer now, we might as well just stop speaking and everything I'm prepared, there's no point in saying. Well, we all know the answer is Jesus, but how do we get there? So I just want you to turn to your neighbour. Say hello, neighbour. Hello, neighbour. And then I want you to share with them the things that bring you safety, the things that bring you comfort, the things that bring you protection and security, and maybe they bring you happiness. Perhaps they bring you joy. What are the things in your life that do those kinds of things for you? So just one minute to share with your neighbor those sorts of things. Wonderful. So you started thinking about some of the hedges. We know that there are some physical hedges out there. You've started to think about some of the hedges in your life. So my third question in the evening is... Have you thanked God for those hedges? Do you thank God for those hedges? Probably not enough. Maybe, yes. Why don't you just take a moment, 30 seconds of your life, to sit there and to pray on your own, to thank God for the hedges that are in your life. Wonderful. What if those hedges weren't there? Would you still praise God? Would you still thank God if those hedges that you just thanked him for weren't there? Would you still praise God if you felt like your life, you were being dragged through a hedge backwards? Now, the reason why I'm getting passionate about hedges is because back. On the 19th of January 2002, I had a really nice hedge. I had a lovely end-of-terrace Victorian villa in Buckinghamshire with a beautiful park, farm on the back, and some wonderful hedges. And it was really lovely. And then I had a lovely wife, and I still do. She's even lovelier. I I call her an ox in the morning. I'll get abused for that. And then say, so I've got a lovely wife, and I get abused for that. There is no winning. <laughs> yeah. And I had a lovely wife, and I have a lovely wife. And I had a great job, and I had money, and we had parents who had a place in the south of France that we could go to any time we wanted. And in fact, between us, we had nigh on £100,000 coming in. We had company cars. We were thinking about what were we going to buy in the south of France ourselves. Everything was going really well. I had these great hedges. I was getting promoted regularly. People were seeing something in me. We had lots of friends. We had a great social life. We had, and I always think of Harry Enfield, we had loads of money. And then... Boom! My hedge was gone. On the 20th of January 2002, as we went into hospital expecting to come out of a little baby, my wife was in a coma and the doctors had said to me, your wife probably won't come out of her coma and if she does, you need to be prepared that she will probably be brain damaged. But congratulations, here's your little girl. Boom, my hedges had gone in that moment, I discovered those hedges were pretty flimsy and could not withstand the onslaught that was coming. My hedge was gone and I felt like I'd been dragged through a hedge backwards, then pulled back through it, dragged back through it again, pulled back through it and dragged back through it again, kicked in the nuts, kicked in the ghoulies and I was down it was man down territory I was on my knees and I was crying out to God I did not know who God was at that moment but I knew to cry out to God to come and restore some of my hedges so there we are that's why I'm passionate about what I do why don't you turn to Job someone tell me where Job is in the Bible Before the Psalms, if you've got one of our church Bibles, you'll find it on page 509. Uh, if you want to take out your phones and have a look, that's cool. Job 1 to 2. Uh, Job one nine. it says this, Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan, we'll talk about Satan in a second. He replied, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will curse you to your face. It, um, there's so, this is so rich. It's such a rich book for us to get our heads around. But Satan has been uh, called into the presence of God. He's part of the heavenly host. He's part of God's army at this point. This is a big thing to get our heads around. And God says, come into my presence and tell me what you've been doing. And Satan, Satan, is the accuser. So he stands before God. His job is to accuse. That's his job. He's looking around the earth. He's prowling around looking for people to accuse before God. And he challenges God. The only reason that Job fears God is because of the favor that has been bestowed upon him, the the, the hedges that have been built up. The only reason that Job fears God is because that hedge of protection is being afforded by God. And if God takes those hedges away, then let's face it, he's going to curse God for sure. And um, because of that hedge of protection, if you turn to Job 29, look at 4 to 25, this guy, Job, was seriously well thought of in his day. Uh, who do we compare that to? I mean, who's really well thought of around Sunbury, around the nation? I mean, there are, there's scant people, isn't there, really? But Job was like the guy that you go to. Turn to 29, uh, verse 4. You'll see that God had put up loads of walls and had poured loads of blessing in. makes the pages of these so small? 21 verse 4. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house, when the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream and the rock poured out for me streams of olive oil. When I went to the gate of the city and took my seat in the public square, the young men saw me and stepped aside and the old men rose to their feet. The chief men refrained from speaking and covered their mouths with their hands. The voices of the nobles were hushed. And their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouths. Whoever heard spoke well of me. And those who saw me commended me because I rescued the poor who cried for help. And the fatherless had, had, had none to assist them. The one who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. He goes on. God had put this incredible hedge of protection around Job and he had prospered and he was famous for being an upright man. So the Satan, of course, says, I'm going to take that and I'm going to do something with that and let's see what happens. If you remove that hedge of protection, he's going to curse you, surely. Surely he will stop because he's no longer prosperous. And in Job 1, 12, we read the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. And this is a massive thing to, for us to get our heads around. But the Satan cannot do anything unless he is allowed to do it by God. That's a huge, mind-blowing thing for you to get a head around. I can't explain it to you in all of its... Uh, glory right now but God is restraining the Satan which should give you some comfort to know that God is in control God is sovereign even over the bad things that happen God is still in control he's not suddenly out of control because your life is out of control because your walls are tumbling down because your hedge of protection has disappeared God is still in control There's this great guy uh, called Spurgeon. He wrote this "This extraordinary conversation took place between two beings, God and Satan. When called to account for his doings, the evil one boasted that he had gone to and fro throughout the earth, insinuating that he had met no hindrance to his will, found no one to oppose his freely moving and acting at his own pleasure. He'd marched everywhere like a king in his own dominions, unhindered and unchallenged. But when the great God reminded him that there was at least one place among men where he had no foothold, where his power was unrecognized, namely in the heart of Job, there was one man who stood like an impregnable castle, garrisoned by integrity, and held with perfect loyalty as the possession of the king of heaven. Will God say that about you? Even when your hedges are no longer surrounding you? Will God say that about you? That's what's at stake. That's what what this particular Bible uh, story tells us is at stake. From the very first instant that God created the world, certain principles are put in place. Adam and Eve created in the Garden of Eden. It's their hedge. It's their sanctuary. Their safe abode. They are free to move around in the garden. No one can harm them, but they should guard it. The Lord tells them to watch over it, Genesis 2.15. He gave Adam and Eve dominion and care, watch over it, meaning someone or something could come into the garden. Someone or something could come through the hedge, over the hedge. I love that film. Someone or something, because they were told to watch, to guard it. So what has he given you to keep watch over? Maybe it's some family, maybe it's children, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a friend. But at the moment he's saying, I want you to keep watch over this patch of land inside these hedges here. I want you to watch over it. I wonder what that is for you. How are you doing on your watch? Maybe it's your own life. So another question. Why might our hedges come down? Why might gaps appear in the hedge? Why might it be possible to scale over our hedge? Well, I think there are, there are some reasons here which we will know, which we will understand. And the first one that you have to address is sin. The first way that the enemy comes through the hedge is with our own sin. The way that we commit the stuff that separates us from God. Look, we know. We know because I've done six weeks on the Ten Commandments. We know the stuff that we're talking about. We know because we're good Christians and we've done church for for centuries. The amount of people who I'm looking around this room, there are centuries of experience of you listening to mediocre sermons like this and some better when guys up the front. You know. And that is why satan comes through the hedge because of sin that's the first reason and you can read all about that in the bible you know we're not i mean you know none of us are perfect i am a sinner saved by grace king david a sinner saved by grace made some terrible mistakes Uh, the second reason i want to just give you tonight is purpose that there is purpose i believe that god In that will move his chess pieces around in your life so these things happen to us because there is purpose behind it famine moves the Jews to Egypt the persecuted church they were murdering Christians the persecuted church who were frightened finally began to grow when it was being persecuted when they realized their lives depended upon it Thirdly, I think it provides us a pathway for increase. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says that he that sows in tears will reap in joy. For momentary light affliction is producing in us this eternal weight of glory. So when you suffer, when you see suffering, there is purpose behind it. God is training us, he's moving us into place in order that he can reveal his glory. And then fourthly, if the bishop, Bishop Graham has been here, he has tried and he has failed. Last week we had Matt Brimble, he came here and he tried and he failed. I am not going to be able to give you the answers to why there is suffering. It is unknown, it is one of those unknowns. There is no explanation I can give you. And I always think, when I get in front of God, I've got to have some questions for him. Why did my mum's health deteriorate so quickly? Why did you take my dad away when I was 13? What about cancer? And then I think, hang on a minute, I'm going to be stood in front of God. I think he's probably going to be asking me the questions. So what happens when God removes your hedge or Satan climbs over or through because you've allowed a tear to appear, a gap in the defences? Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. (laughs) Exactly. There's nowhere to go from that, is there? Ministry. Ministry. are you going to curse God and die? Because that's what his wife said. That's what Job's wife wife said. For crying out loud, man, will you just curse God and die and be done with it? I want you to have God. Here is the answer. Of course, I want you to have God as your hedge. So if you turn to Job 42, 7 to 9, I'm hoping that might just bring us into land a little bit, 42, seven to nine. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls, seven rams, go to my servant Job, sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Nermite did what the Lord told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. You know, we have been witness just in the last two weeks to the strength and the power of prayer. Do you know that our social transformation pastor picked up her daughter from a ski trip? And on the way back from the ski trip, she was phoned by one of her 10-year-old children to say, "Mum, there's been an accident. And my brother, my twin brother, is lying on the floor. He's been hit by a car. He's been thrown 20 foot. They're calling an air ambulance. And she arrives at the scene, and people are waving her down, trying to tell her, It's your son. It's your son. Do you know what she does as she stands there? The first thing she does, she prays. She doesn't panic. She doesn't go, God, why have you taken my hedge away? What are you doing? She prays. And she asks us to pray. And the Lord hears the prayer and responds. She stood back and she prayed to her father. Here are the things. If Jesus were right here now, and I know I always think of this lovely moment where um, Member in our congregation came up, he was about six, mum came up with him and said, uh, he thinks you look like Jesus. <laughs> and at home, and they're they, an um, African lady, and at home they have a black Jesus and a white Jesus, and the white Jesus has blonde hair and blue eyes, and so the, the little boy thinks I look like Jesus, I, I'm taking that. But if Jesus was here, here are the things I think he would say to you. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, you'll know this one. Trust in the Lord. Obedience to God in all things, even in the unknowing. There's stuff we know, there's stuff we don't know, there's the stuff we don't know we know, there's the stuff we know we know we don't know. And that's why I'm not God. I just have to trust him. I just have to trust him. Trust him with all of my heart. Proverbs four twenty three. guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put a hedge of protection around your heart. Don't put stuff in there that you know is going to hurt you, him, your relationship with others. Guard your heart, Proverbs 4.23, for it is the wellspring of life. Ask God to pour in goodness, to purify your heart from all of its mess, all of its chaos, all of its sin. Hebrews 12, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and protector and perfecter of your faith. Him above all other gods, all the other gods that are vying for your attention, even as we go from this place. Put him above, keep your eyes fixed on him alone. And Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God. And what's the next bit? And all else will be added to you reward will come whether it is in this life or the next that's your guarantee it might not look like what you're thinking it might not be what you're hoping for but I'm praying for you I pray for you during the week do you know that pray for you by name I pray for you guys that you will know God's blessing poured in pressed down and running over God first always let's just take a moment to bow our heads for more information about St Saviour's please visit our website at www.stsaviourssumbry.org dot uk